Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. We are convinced that the Bible is God's holy word, perfect and without error. Its perfection delivers what is good and beneficial for those who hear it and heed it. It is perfect for it leads us to the perfect one, the Lord Jesus. He is the bread of life. Let us seek him together through God's word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. The doctrine of illumination teaches that the Holy Spirit, who revealed God's word, lives in the follower of Jesus Christ to make that word known to our hearts and to set it deep down into our spirits. It teaches us that we cannot rest simply in knowing the right technical interpretations of the text as well. Just because you may accurately probe the outer shell of the truth found in the words and in the proper definitions and theological determinations of Scripture does not in any way mean that you've begun to know the truth. It may mean that you only know about the truth. Because the Bible is sufficiently clear, anyone can know about God's truth as revealed in that word. It doesn't take a radical scholarship. Its basic meaning is quite plain. But to know the truth, you'll have to have that author who wrote it living in your heart, dictating its meaning into your spirit. A.W. Tozer is the one who's pointed out this reality that the intellect can only grasp the outer shell of the truth, but that the Spirit of God has to open up the heart of the truth to us so that we can understand it. Let me read you his words. Here's what he says. The inward kernel of truth has the same configuration as the outward shell. The mind can grasp the shell, but only the Spirit of God can lay hold of the internal essence. Our great error has been that we have trusted to the shell and have believed that we were sound in faith because we were able to explain the external shape of truth as found in the letter of the Word. And from this mortal error, fundamentalism is slowly dying, shriveling up in their own intellectual stew, not fed by the pure fount of the flowing stream of the Spirit of God making known to us the deep riches of God's Word, being satisfied and smugly knowing all about it, but not knowing Him in it. We have forgotten that we are daily dependent upon the great miracle of illumination where the Holy Spirit takes the things of God and joyfully and wonderfully makes them known to our heart of hearts so that we become those who do not simply know about something, but those who know it. Know it. What's a sign that you may have gone astray from a deep knowing and illumination of the Holy Spirit particularly when you're relying upon your own confidence and your ability to ascertain these things on your own, what happens is, instead of humility before the Word of God, instead of a brokenness and yieldedness before the Word of God, there becomes, in a sense, an exaltation of the intellect before that Word. And what is expressed is kind of a dull confidence in our ability to know and communicate God's Word. Some time ago, I shared with some individuals in our church my experience of going to a conference in which a professor of a seminary, and he was actually the president of the seminary, was speaking, and he spoke for four days. I listened to him twice. I couldn't do it after that. It was just too hard for me. He would read the text. After he was done reading the text, he would give an inventive little illustration, 
And then he would break open the Greek and tell us all the Greek language and lay out all the history of the church. And he'd throw a few illustrations in there. And I knew what he was going to do. He would, for example, find the three main verbs in the passage and break the sermon down around those three main verbs and give us their tenses. And, but the thing that got me, that bothered me, was after he was done reading the text and before he went into this prescribed understanding that he had gained from the Word, he'd roll up his Bible in his hand like a newspaper. And he'd stand aside and he'd pat it on the side of his leg while he's talking. And his very air about the Word reflected his attitude in it. This was a man who knew far more than I did about this word. And yet somehow I felt we weren't being fed at all. The sciences of hermeneutics, which is how to study your Bible. The sciences of homiletics, which is how to preach the contents of the Bibles to others, can make for proficient professionals, for wise and for the prudent. But it doesn't make for babes in learning. That's what we need to be. Utterly dependent upon God to communicate His truth to us. So there's a dull confidence in our ability to know, and so we're smugly satisfied, and we actually draw positions where we argue with other people, and we can be ungracious with them because they don't see it, and they don't have the intellect we have to see these truths. But there's another thing that I think takes place, and it's this. I think primarily it's reflected in a lack in the church's of Christ in our country, a lack of a holy delight and a delicious joy that accompanies those who are feasting upon the Word of God to their souls. Psalm 119 is a spiritual song of praise to the Word of God that flows up from the heart of an illumined person, a person whom God is speaking to. Here's one of the longest chapters in the Bible. It's placed right in the exact center of the Bible. And it's expressive of the delight that's found in God's Word. The Word of God, when it's heard, when it's read, when it's discovered, becomes a source of profound joy and satisfaction. And where it is being heard within the body of Christ and received with that kind of illuminated expectancy of the Spirit illuminating the Word to our hearts, there's great rejoicing. And by the way, part of the problem when I heard that professor speak was not the professor because he was still teaching things that were good and true and, and found God's Word, but I allowed his manner to grieve me to such an extent that I didn't look beyond it to the very Word that he was proclaiming. Because in that Word was God's Word, and the Spirit was still there, and he was still capable of ministering refreshing. The person who says, I've left my church because the pastor, I wasn't getting anything out of it, oftentimes is hung up on the pastor's style oftentimes hung up on something that they don't like about the pastor's delivery. But oftentimes, if you listen, in it, the truth of God's revealed Word is there. And the heart that is resting upon the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit is fed. It's fed. It's fed. Tozer writes the effect of a religious textualism where there's an overconfidence in our ability to find and communicate God's truth to the sciences of hermeneutics and homiletics, that is, the science of Bible study and preaching. And he makes this sad observation of the life of the church from over 60 years ago as a result of this textualism, this creedalism, this solitary biblicism apart from a spark of the illuminating voice of the Spirit of God speaking to the heart of the individuals who study it and deliver it to others. And as you read this from 60 years ago, I think you'll see it has application today. Here's what he says. 
those transporting glimpses of the celestial country are few and dim. The fragrance of Sharon's dewy rose is hardly discernible. Consequently, we are forced to look elsewhere for our delights, and we have found them in the dubious artistry of converted opera singers or the tinkling melodies of odd and curious musical arrangements. And we have tried to secure spiritual pleasures by working upon fleshly emotions and whipping up synthetic feelings by means that are wholly carnal. And the total effect has been evil. How has this happened? Because God speaking through His Word is not enough for us. Because God has been pushed off in our hearts as an abstraction. We don't live surrendered to the voice of the Spirit who speaks even now. This is, by the way, the heir of the church at the end of the age. And so when God sends a correcting voice to the churches at the end of the age, you'll read it in the book of Revelation in chapters 2 and chapters 3, the correcting message of the Spirit of God, the message that God sends to the churches is this, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Understand, God is saying, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I'm speaking right now. Listen to me. The individual understands and knows that God is speaking. That God can be heard. The outer shell of God's truth can be opened up before us and we can plunge in the inner depth of His reality. The illuminating work of the Holy Spirit to our hearts. Me not mediating the Word by my sentiment. Me not mediating the Word by simply my confidence and my intellectual knowing. Myself coming before that Word dependent upon the Spirit of God to speak. We say, speak my Lord. Speak my Lord. Speak my Lord and I'll be quick to answer thee. Well, that changes everything. We become not contented in our intellectual probing. We become not seeking the delights of performances and productions and manipulated worship experiences. Instead, we become reliant upon a heart opened up for the outpouring of the living Word of God upon our lives. What's the answer to this distancing us from this great ministry of illumination? Well, let me just say four things very quickly. First, we must believe that the Holy Spirit still comes to illuminate our hearts. That God has not just spoken, but that God speaks. We must believe it. We must accept that the message to the seven churches is true. The Spirit is speaking. Second, we don't want to divorce our minds from the Spirit. The study of the Bible from the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit. We don't want the ill-advised fervor of speaking the Spirit's voice outside of understanding this written word as if God, God speak to me, but let's put the word aside, just speak to me. No, we don't want that. But we also don't want some sterile, cold, dry textualism when we come before the word. We want a desire for the Spirit to make this word known to us. Someone has said that if you have your Bible without the Spirit, you dry up. But if you have the Spirit without your Bible, you blow up. But if you have the Spirit and the Bible, you grow up. We want God's Word and we want God's Spirit to come upon it so that we can grow and be nourished. Third, on our part, there must be a commitment 
to purity of heart and mind and life as a key to receiving the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We understand that this is the work of the Holy Spirit and it's not a mistake that His name is holy. If we are living and nurturing carnal attitudes and actions in our lives and we think that we can come before this Word and God would speak to us, we're mistaken. There must even be, as we approach this Word, a confession of our sin and a desire for God to cleanse us and a reconfirmation of our commitment to walk before God in uh, transparent holiness as He empowers us. And as we agree with God in this objective that He might bring us and conform us into the image of Christ, the fount opens up and the Holy Spirit communicates to us and purifies our life. The fourth thing is this. This illumination of the Holy Spirit is given to those who want it. It's given to those who hunger for it. Ultimately, what restricts us from hearing God's voice is when instead I simply want to titillate my intellect and feel good and smug about how I know things. Ultimately, what keeps me with this word is when I'm simply satisfied with a little emotional affirmation or a little ethical direction for my life to solve a problem. But I'm not hungry. I'm not hungry for God's word. Let us start where we end here. Start by asking God to make us hungry to know Him, to know God's Word. The Spirit answers with illumination. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.